0: Welcome to Conflict Managed. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Today on Conflict Managed, we are joined by Fallon Fulce, a chemical engineer turned manager and CEO of PF Strategies LLC. As a recovering, burned out corporate parent, Fallon understands what it's like to pretend to balance a corporate career and family life, all the while feeling completely depleted on the inside. Being a wife and mom of two, and after going through a period of major burnout midway through her 10 plus year career as an engineer turned manager, she managed to implement alternative science-backed strategies into her daily life that led her to thrive and not just survive. Over the past decade, Fallon has used her chemical engineering and chemistry background, along with her knowledge as a certified feng shui consultant, to research, develop, and test strategies that help corporate parents lead a life where they feel grounded, balanced, and ultimately thrive. Good morning, Fallon, and welcome to Conflict Managed. Hi, good morning. So glad to be here. So very glad to have you as well. I was excited to to meet you and learn what you're doing with helping people, helping parents deal with work-life balance. That's something that we all struggle with and it can cause a lot of conflict internally, but also it shows up at work as well.
1: Yes, it does. And so I had such a interesting experience with that because when so I to give a little background about me I've been in corporate for a a little over a decade now Um, so most of my professional career has been in a professional corporate environment Um, I started out as a process engineer so I'm chemical engineer by degree and worked my way through the company into a management position and so About five years ago is probably when I had the most difficult time with work-life balance. Um, I was in a very demanding role, and so was my husband, and we just had a newborn. So that was my first um, experience as far as trying to really balance work and life in general, because it was one, trying to manage being a new mom. And then also trying to still climb the ladder and, you know, progress my career. And when you brought up just a minute ago about internal conflict, I think that's probably more what I had to deal with rather than what was externally happening. Although in that particular position I was in, it was very I wouldn't want to say like a hostile work environment, but it definitely wasn't one of those positions where it was a position that made you love work and want to always be there. It was just very stressful and difficult. And so when I was going through that, there was a lot of internal conflict that I had to deal with because I had to do a lot of, I was at work a lot and I wasn't able to really be home for my newborn. Um, And so there was a lot of difficulties that I had to deal with there. And I'm definitely a proponent of what is on your internal is what it reflects on your external. So if your internal, internally, you're very conflicted, then you're going to end up having additional conflicts at work, you're going to have more conflicts with your spouse, and it's going to show up in other areas of your life, because it's reflecting what's happening inside. So I definitely experienced that uh, in that moment. And that's when I started to really figure out, how do I fix this on the inside, so that everything else on the outside reflects how I actually want to live. So So that's the, you know, the million dollar question. What did you do? How did
0: you do it? Or the process? I'm sure, you know, I'm not sure if you're 100% aligned. So what
1: did you do? So I, at first, um, I thought it was a lot of Western medicine type approach and Western approach where it was very much let me go to the doctor and figure out like what's wrong with me because it was um because of the stress that I was having it was having a lot of impacts on my body and so I was having thyroid issues I was completely exhausted which I mean with a newborn just kind of expected but um and then you know just having crazy things happen like my hair was falling out and just all of these things and I didn't realize that what was happening internally for me was because I was so stressed and I could not, I was in survival mode all the time. So at first I went to the doctor and I tried to manage it with medicine. Um, I got on anxiety medication. I was on thyroid medication. I, you know, on, all, you know, on and on about different things with the me- Western medicine and it does have its place. And I, I think it did help me because uh, being on the anxiety medication for a couple of months, it kind of regulates your hormones and everything. And so uh, it allowed me to be in a better position to continue my journey of healing and being more aligned with who I am. And it, But it got to the point where I realized that it was more of masking and putting a Band-Aid on what was really going on for me. And when that happened, I realized I needed to do something different. And so that's when I started to really open back up to being intuitive, being more of uh, open to flowing with things rather than pushing through things. And I think that that's been a big theme throughout this whole journey that I've been on for the past five years is I tend, I'm type A personality. So I like to have it very controlled and I like things to be like, this is how this works. And that's just not how it works sometimes. And so I've had to cope with that in ways where I create a structure around, you know, giving myself more of bumper car lanes rather than it being one way, narrow highway type thing. And so I like to make it where I use the phrase this or better. And whenever that happens, it makes it to where I set my goals and then I allow myself wiggle room to where it's either gonna be whatever I set out to accomplish or it's going to be better. And when things deviate, it's gotta be better. But there's the element of trust in that aspect. And so you have to trust that when it does deviate, that even though in that moment, you may not see that the final outcome is better, that it will end up being better. Um, And so that's kind of how I approach things now in comparison to how I used to. So a lot of mindset shifts that I've done over the past couple of years, that's how I've mainly managed a lot of my being able to balance work and life. And I think also people get very fixated on it being it has to be 50%. I have to spend 50% at work and 50% at home. But when we allow ourselves to ebb and flow between that and sometimes work will be more demanding than what's going on at home and then allowing home to be more demanding than work is. And so allowing that fluctuation without being so rigid about it and being, giving ourselves grace whenever that happens, where obviously we don't want to spend all of our time at work. We would rather be with our family, but giving ourselves grace, knowing that eventually the pendulum is going to swing the other way. And so that is another kind of mindset shift that I like to use and to allow myself that flow between the two. Um, I love
0: I love this or better and then of course the flow because our expectations or we, we set ourselves up, right And a lot of times we set ourselves up for failure, even though we think we're setting ourselves up for success. So it's good to have goals. It's good to know where you're gonna go. But if we are rigid, it reminds me a lot of when people are in conflict and they get set in, this is what I want versus this is what I need. And wants are very narrow, as you said, where needs, there's a variety of legitimate possible ways where a need can be fulfilled. And it makes sense given our particular vantage point where we're looking into the future and we think this goal is going to get me to where I want to be, where I need to be. But the future is wide open and we aren't in control of other people. And sometimes even, you know, well, just so much we're not in control of, but if we set ourselves up for success by saying, this is what I want or something better, which I don't know, that curiosity and that openness. I love that picture. That's that's really nice.
1: Yeah. And I think I like to do things where it's more of a visual type of thing whenever I'm, because a lot of times when we get so stuck in where we think we want to go, it's nice to have that visual reminder of, Oh, okay. I need bumper cars. I don't need a narrow lane, you know. And so having that kind of visual helps for me to remind myself as I go, Um, because there are times where I get very single focused. I'm like, this is what I want, and this is what's going to be. And then, hang on, hang on, Fallon, (laughs) like back up (laughs) a little bit, you know.
0: (laughs) So, so are you still in a management position at
1: work? Yes, I am. So, how has this?
0: personal evolution affected your management style?
1: A lot. So I have, um, I like to, whenever I am going into a role because I recently transitioned into this role about a year ago. And so it was very interesting because the group dynamic was challenging. Um, and so It had been a group that had been not really neglected, but just like kind of put on the back burner as far as importance of what's critical to -to day-to-day operation in the business. And so there was a lot of morale issues and a lot of bringing people up rather than pushing them down. And so I think because I have gone through this journey over the past five years of being more grounded and allowing that ebb and more into my life. I think that that has definitely impacted my management skills where I like to have a very open discussion environment where it's always an open door policy. Anybody can come, even if, you know, I have um, people who are direct reports to me, but then I also have people who are reporting to them as well. And so it's an open door policy as far as for if people, you know, it doesn't have to have that layer where I'm inaccessible to, you know, other levels. And I think that along with just being open to addressing conflict and addressing people's needs and allowing them to be heard has been huge because I think a lot of times as a manager, we tend to take things very personally because if this person is disgruntled or they aren't happy with what's happening, then it is a reflection of who you are. And I think that that's a big proponent of my management style and how, how my uh, journey has impacted who, how I manage my people. And because I really, I don't feel like what they're doing and how they're feeling is mine. And that's a really big, important aspect is allowing them to feel how they feel, express themselves, and then allow them that space to work it out without it being mine, where in the past, I probably would have taken that on as my own um, and had it really impact my day, who I am, my worth, um, and how I view my success. That is so,
0: that is so nice. That is key to allow people to feel how they feel and that it isn't about you and it isn't about me. It's about them. And when we give people space and I don't feel like I need to control them or be afraid because, you know, it's reflection of me just to really sit back and allow people to have their own experiences. And so we can come
1: alongside them instead of the
0: need to control them.
1: Exactly. It's more of a, I'm walking with you rather than I'm dragging you along um, and shouldering all of the burden of what is happening. And I just feel like that has been a huge impact on the development of my group over the past year and how far they've come. And I think it's, everyone seems happier. Everyone uh, seems to be Feel like they're more heard, which is important, but none of what they've worked through over the past year has really impacted who I am as far as like how I view my worth and my success. Like, I feel like I am successful because I'm seeing the progress in the group dynamic and how they feel, but it's more of a, we did this as a team rather than it's a, I did this. And I think that's a big part of being a manager that kind of makes it where if you look at it as a single effort and everything that the group does is yours, you're not going to be successful and you're not going to manage all of the conflicts that come up naturally in a work environment where you have multiple people interacting with each other. It's just a part of how it is. And If you take it on as if it's yours, then it really impacts who you are because you're allowing that. But I like to, and obviously I'm not perfect at this, and there were moments in the past year where I definitely took it personally in that moment. But when I took a step back and realized, okay, that's not actually mine, I always like to ask myself the question, is this mine? Mm. And that's kind of another little mindset shift of, okay, am I really, is this something that really is personal to me or is it just something that they're having to work through and it's really not mine? I'm just going to have to hold their hand through it, Mm -hmm. you know? And so asking myself that question really makes a big difference. Mm,
0: That's a great question. So looking over your own workplace history, has anybody modeled for you a good work-life balance that has helped you with your own mind shift and your own personal evolution?
1: I don't know if there is really anyone specifically at my workplace. Um, I've had a lot of mentors outside of work that have helped me with that. But one of the big pushes that led me to even create my own business around helping other parents is seeing the struggle that they were going through and realizing that I wasn't alone and that other people were having the same problem. And I would see, you know, because whenever I started out my career, I thought that I would want to be the top person at the, the um, place that I work. And I wanted to actually run the whole thing, right? Like that's where my mind went. And the more and more, that I was exposed to upper management, the more I realized how unbalanced their life was, where they were so focused on work, they would miss out on all of their kids' stuff. They weren't happy. They would emotionally eat. You know, you could see the patterns that were happening throughout all of them and I took a step back when I was in that really demanding role about 5 years ago and you know really evaluated is that the life that I really want and the answer was obviously no you know I don't want that for myself I don't want that for my family that's just not where I wanted to go but I also realized that through my journey the tools that I learned really do help me and I've also seen it help with other people so that's why I went in that direction and so as far as having a mentor there are a couple of people that I have had be mentors to me in different capacities um, mainly more on the professional side of how to deal with people and how to deal with coming into a new group and into a new role But as far as for the mindset side of things, I think a lot of it was seeing what I didn't want.
0: That is so instructive. I think we discount it, but all of us learn that way. We see what somebody's doing and we're like, yeah, that's not for me. I don't want that life. Like you said, I thought I wanted this goal, but if that is the path, if that's what's expected to get that goal, that's not for me. And that can tell us a lot about what the good life is, what we think the good life is, what we value. And they say, you know, where you spend your time, either physically, mentally, tells you a lot about what you think is important and what the quality of your life is going to be like. So while it is it, it is true, we get a lot of lessons about what we don't want from bad managers, bad role models. It's so lovely when we have positive ones. And so I'm thankful that you're in this space to show people there is another way. There are other options for you besides work yourself to death, right? Burnout. Or that you have to make the choice of either family or work. I mean, for some people, you're right. It's There's many different paths. There's different ways in which we can have good lives. And that depends on a variety of factors, internal, external factors of the reality of our life. But it feels like, you know, when when I think back to when I had my first baby, it just feels like you're alone. That you and it's so isolating, you know, having a newborn, as you mentioned, it's, you know, all the stuff that's going on with your body and your sleep schedule and just the whole playbook of everything you've known has been thrown out the window. And it's it's shocking what a lack of positive role models there are out there that are tangible that can come alongside you and say, Hey, you know, what about this? And what about that? And let's try a variety of things.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that just going through what I went through, like how you are saying, how it was very isolating, uh, having a newborn, it definitely feels that way. And I feel like the higher that I get up in management, the more and more isolating it is because you become so you become almost like you're behind the glass wall. Like people don't feel like they can come and talk to you as much because you're in this new role. And so that's been an adjustment that I've had to deal with. Of Well, I used to be able to just go and joke around with all these people or like I used to be able to go sit by the coffee pot. But part of it is, I just don't have time to do that anymore. And it's not that I don't want to, it's that I just, that can't be a priority for me anymore because of the amount of work that I have to do now and the responsibilities that I have. And so it makes it very isolating because you feel like you're kind of on an island. And I can see that also in, you know, people who are in management above me as well, where they're friends with each other, but they feel very, very isolated where it's like there's no way that someone is just going to go joke around with the guy that runs the place, you know, especially in a corporate situation. And so there's a lot of times where you just feel very alone, even when you're surrounded by a bunch of people, because they're not really talking with you and connecting with you in the way that you used to have the, in that kind of capacity because now you're the boss. Yeah. And so I think that's something that um, I've had to deal with as well is being okay with being just with myself. And I think that that's a big thing is that when people get in these management roles, they really become isolated and they do become Alone with themselves a lot more than they used to be. And I think that that stirs up a lot of stuff of looking internal and not liking what they see. And because up until that point, they've been distracted by the outside world so much that they didn't look inside. But now they have no choice but mm-hmm. to look inside because that's all that you have. And so that's why you can, a lot of people in management seem to be unhappy and stressed out and not enjoy. And so I think that it kind of goes hand in hand with how I do my business and everything is that's a big proponent is fixing what's inside so that you're okay with being by yourself and where it doesn't feel so isolating.
0: That is really interesting because another side of that isolation is, you know, just being busy. So if I'm not Mm. going to get those human connections, then I'm going to be so busy that I can't even think about it, right? Distracting ourselves. We are so good at distracting ourselves in a variety of different ways. One thing that I see in my work when it comes to conflict and when it comes to organizational issues is a disconnect between management and just your average worker. And And it's a lot of that It makes sense, right? As you move up, as you said, you have different responsibilities, different workloads. You're just looking at different things. And then the power dynamics make it such that going to get drinks or going for food is now different. It just is different where people kind of a lot of times feel like they need to be on and not so relaxed. And then it goes in vice versa. And so there also becomes, as you mentioned, sort of this lack of time to do the you know, the water cooler chats and and all that kind of stuff. And yet it seems to me that being in the management business is the people business. And if managers are too busy for their people, they're just too busy. And yet there's only so much time in a day, right? You've got this amount of work, but a part of that work is investing in people. And if you don't invest in people, they are going to feel it. And that sense of belonging, engagement, retention, high performance, all that stuff that we want for people, a healthy work environment is usually going to suffer because if you don't maintain relationships
1: by nature, they fall apart. So how do you navigate that? I think that's been a challenge uh, that I've had to figure out over the past year. And I think it is shifting what you think of when you say, I don't have time, instead of saying I don't have time, it's I'm not making this a priority. And when you put whatever it is that you're not doing in I don't have time to go see my employee, I'm not making my employee a a priority. And so it really makes you think, is that really right? Are Mm -hmm. my priorities really in line? And so allowing yourself to think in that way of what is really important to me and obviously you know you can't miss deadlines and those kind of things but all of the extra things that you have that you create for yourself to keep yourself busy right are those things actually important or is it your employees that are important and like you were saying being in management is a people business and so that should be one of your top priorities Now it can't be all the time because obviously you have other stuff to do. So it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's this ebb and flow. So it's allowing yourself the time. So I like to make it to where allowing myself the time to have some me time at work, because if I don't allow myself to recharge and have a moment just to myself, there's no way I can give it to others. And so I make sure that just a couple of times a day, maybe in the morning during lunch and after lunch, I just have a few moments where I'll close my door or put headphones in. And I may be actually still working, but it's just me. And I'm just doing something that's mindless. You just are doing it, answering an email, you know, whatever it is, going through your emails, organizing them, something that's just kind of, Not really super important, but something that you're still productive, but you're not really doing a whole lot. So I like to have that throughout my day. Now, not every day do I get that, but I like to have that. So that way, when an employee does need something from me, I'm not coming from a place of lack. I'm coming from a full cup. And so that's been a big difference is prioritizing myself first, which seems counterintuitive, um, but making it to where you tend to your needs first, and then you're able to better address their needs. And so I think that's been a big, big thing when I'm trying to manage that.
0: I really appreciate your emphasis. I've heard it throughout our conversation on reframing, right? So these, these things that we tell ourselves, they're just stories and they don't have to be framed that way. So instead of I'm too busy it's what am I gonna prioritize, right? What is gonna bubble up to the top? What do I? What am I doing now? I'm doing this because this is what is important to me. This is what I value. And if we look at it that way, we can also think, okay, well, I have this many hours, and what I've been asked to do exceeds. And so when we think of, we can think about things in a variety of ways. So instead of being on the hamster wheel, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And we're running ourselves ragged. Thinking about what do I prioritize and you're absolutely right if we don't prioritize ourselves nothing runs well you know we're no. we're inefficient nobody nobody's getting our best selves and we certainly aren't right so when we prioritize ourselves then we can be present for our colleagues and for our family and trying to have the best possible life we can have which helps other people have their best possible lives as well so, right, that, that reframing of how important are the people that report to me? Well, they are important, but it's nothing is an all or nothing proposition, right? So just really starting to think about the choices, and they are choices, and they aren't givens, but how we choose to move about our life, our private life, our public life, and how we feed into others and how we feed into ourselves. When you think about your work history, have you had... Any difficult situations with either colleagues or a work environment, and how did you deal with that?
1: I definitely have had quite a few. Um, I'm trying to think of the best example. So, I'll give you an example where I actually did not handle it very well. So, (laughs) I um, it was back before, like about probably five or so years ago, when I was first trying to figure all this stuff out, and I was in a meeting. And I honestly could not even tell you what the topic was even about at this moment. It's not what I even remember. I just remember how I felt in the moment. And it was whatever it was, I had created a case of, you know, this is the right answer type of thing with all the data backing up and everything. And my boss at the time just wasn't having it like he completely just ignored all the data and he was just this is the way that we're gonna do it and in that moment I took it very personally and I I actually got up and left the meeting which I have never done in my entire career outside of that moment and so I got up and I left and I went to the bathroom and I just like started crying because I was just like what is happening you know and it was one of those moments that really made me realize this is not how I want to live. This is not how this is supposed to go. Where when people have a differing opinion than me, and I mean, blatantly ignoring the data is kind of a little bit much, but it's one of those where it's like being, I think it was because I was not in a space where I was okay with who I was and standing in my power of like, this is who I am. And whether or not you agree with what I'm saying, it's fine. That's not on me. Like, that's just we disagree and it's fine. But it wasn't in that headspace. I wasn't in that mindset of that's not mine. Um, and so when he had a differing opinion, and of course, he's the boss too, right? So it was this dynamic. And we it was kind of one of those in general, it wasn't a very good relationship that I had with that particular manager. And um, so I didn't really handle it very well. And so that's something that now I probably would have just been like, okay, I'm telling you that this is the right answer because of all these facts. If you want to go and do something different, that's on you. (laughs) Like It's fine.
0: (laughs) I love it because it kind of comes back to what you were saying. Is this me, right? Is this Yes. but but having that mental toughness and so i start i left academia uh about oh, almost 2 years ago now to start my own business and some days i i really do wonder am i tough enough for this do i have the mental wherewithal cuz it's hard and sometimes it's delightful and wonderful and other days it's agonizing and excruciating and i think am i am i really cut out for this do i have the mental toughness to do that and i wonder in general how we are how we are encouraging people to develop themselves mentally mental agility mental um resilience to be able to make not everything about us right to mm-hmm. be able to look at it cuz you could have looked at that situation where you left and been like, he made me do this. And this is his fault. This is not about me. This guy's a complete jerk and learn nothing. Right. Instead of taking a step back and saying, okay, this is what I did and this is what he
1: did and moving on. Yeah. And I think we do a fairly poor job of preparing people for that in general, um, not just in a corporate environment, but just as a society as a whole, I think we just, we struggle with it. I feel like some of that mental toughness comes from experiencing moments where we aren't mentally tough, um, but instead of allowing those moments to crush us, we learn from them and move on and become better because of them. I feel like a lot of times because of the way culture is now, where it's very much uh, ignore the bad stuff and only focus on the good stuff, like, especially in social media type of world, where it's, I'm only going to show you the good parts of my life. And so we tend to gloss over all of the bad stuff. And I think that there's a lot of missed opportunity for learning in those moments, where we just ignore what's been happening and we shove it under the rug and no one's going to learn from that. In fact, it's just going to keep building up under the rug and eventually you're going to trip over it and it's going to knock you on your butt, you know? And so I think that it's definitely being okay with going through the hard stuff, but not allowing it to be such a such a thing that really drives you down and getting back up again yeah I think is really important
0: I think that's it is such a challenge we think about you know the Instagram schlocked life you know everything is just beautiful (laughs) and you know that picture of that shiny baby in that shiny house and that shiny whatever um it took a hundred hundred pictures and it's just (laughs) cropped in to not see the piles of things around and I think we struggle with that also in our organizations. It makes sense. Like your public face of your organization, you want to talk about your accomplishments and we don't want to talk about the dismal failures or the, the toxic practices or whatever has happened or how people have been harmed. And I mean, when I see people that I know publicly airing their grievances, I think, oh, don't do that. You know, that that's, don't do that. Or sometimes you see people misusing LinkedIn It's like, take that on Facebook and then don't, don't post it anyway. You know. <laughs> and so there, there is this duality of what do we present in the public space, right? How much am I going to really share? I'm working on this post. I guess I'm going to say it right here. I'm working on this post about menopause and mediation because I, I do mediation and I'm in, I'm perimenopausal and I was doing this yeah. mediation It was a long, difficult mediation. And on two occasions, I teared up, which is absolutely not what I want to be doing. I'm the mediator. I'm impartial. But it was so hard. And I could just feel. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And I'm like, trying to go through all the causation. And I'm like, is this what it is? And it's like, well, that's my reality. It doesn't mean I need to step out. But I don't want to. Do I? I'm thinking, do I post about this? Because that's private. And Mm -hmm. there's the stigma about it, and yet if we don't ever talk about it, if nobody is vulnerable, so it's like that balance of how do I be professionally vulnerable, give some way to help, but you know, you know, too much information is too much information, and I don't want to be unprofessional. I don't want to encourage other people to be unprofessional. Right? It's that line of. How do we really come alongside and not treat work like something that it's not?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What, what, what yeah, are your I thoughts think, on this?
1: <laughs> so I think that's, so I had a little bit of trouble with that too, where when what I was going through with my newborn was extremely personal and it was very, and going through being, dealing with hypothyroidism and the being on anxiety medication like that was something at least maybe in my upbringing it was like we don't talk about that that's nothing you know and so i think that i had to go through some of that as well in order to even share some of my story that how it happened because you know to be completely honest in those moments because i was so stressed in survival mode when we're in that moment and in that mindset we don't actually form long-term memories. It's all short-term. And so I actually struggle a lot with actually remembering some of the memories of my daughter being little. And that's something that I struggle with. But in order to share that publicly, it took a lot of like, me recording something or like me writing something like no I'm not sharing that at all you know and just being more and more comfortable with sharing my story but once I actually started opening up and sharing that with other people I could tell how much of a oh my god me too moment that they were having and that in itself was like oh okay it is okay for me to share this but you know there's moments where It's figuring out the right way to share it and the right words to use because it is personal and there are moments that I don't really want to talk about publicly. And it's finding that line of where you are balanced. Like you, the biggest thing that I like to do is check in with myself of, does this feel right? Is it fear of being seen that's coming up for me? Like what's exactly coming up and when you were uh, talking about being in the mediation what came to mind one of the things that i like to do whenever i'm having uh, in a very conflicting or a conflict oriented type of environment is i actually like to visualize an ice cream wall between me and the other people where nothing can none of their stuff goes through to me and the ice cream, when it hits it, absorbs and only sends them back positive things. And so it kind of, it's a really cool visualization that I like to use. I'm like, nope, ice cream. Well, that's yours. That's not mine. <laughs> and so it really helps. Oh, that's, that's really,
0: I gonna have to think about that. I like that very much. Well, Fallon, thank you so much for your time. But I do want to ask you this final question. When you think about where work is going, and I mean, who knows? I mean, there's we're in such a time of upheaval. But when your baby is out in the workplace, uh, what do you what do you want for the future of work? So that treat everyone with dignity and respect, but more than that, have flourishing work environments. What what do you think needs to happen to bring that about?
1: I think the biggest thing is to have people actually work on themselves, and have it start with from within. And each person doing that would allow everyone else to interact at a more, um, what's the right word, of a more productive uh, mm-hmm. manner and, and where we actually make real progress. Because I think we spend a lot of time in this conflict zone of I'm right, you're wrong when it's a yes and. hmm And so being more in that mindset of just shifting your own self and not, and realizing that it's, your problems are not going to be solved by anyone else but you. Mm -hmm. And so having that and just creating that safe space for everyone to express themselves in a way that feels good to them without any repercussions. As long as you know, as done in a professional manner, um, I think really does make for the kind of place that I would love to work in and having the true work-life balance where we realize and take account for people actually having a life outside of work and understanding and just allowing that flow like I was talking about earlier.
0: I love that very much. Thank you, Fallon, so much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking with you.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. Take care.
0: Thank you, Fallon, so much for being on Conflict Managed. I am going to take a lot away from this episode, and I'm really going to think more about this ice cream wall and asking that question, is that mine? Conflict Managed is produced by Third Party Workplace Conflict Restoration Services. You can find us online at 3pconflictrestoration.com. I'm your host, Mary Brown. Our music is courtesy of Dove Pilot. And remember, conflict is normal and to be expected. Let's deal with it. Until next time, take care.